Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 274 and we're talking about what to eat and drink in Madrid and where to try them. Of course, because that is just as important as knowing what to uh, what to look for. And Madrid is a pretty big city. Yeah, well, we're talking lots about Madrid, actually, as we interview Lauren Alois from MadridFoodTours.com. Uh, we first met Lauren in Porto. Uh, about That's right, we were at TBU about a, a year ago. A year ago, yeah, almost wow. a year ago to the day. And, no, it must uh, have only been about six months. It can't possibly have been a year. I don't know. It was at the very beginning of Indie Rail. So, yeah, it was in the second half mm-hmm. of last year. And uh, she was great. She's a travel blogger and a food blogger, and uh, she runs food tours through Madrid, which are, by all accounts, excellent. But unfortunately, we didn't meet her before we went to Madrid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we couldn't do her food tour, which was a pity. But we did uh, hang out with her again one day in Jerez because her husband's family is from around there. And so we got together for an evening and had some sherry, and it was brilliant. It was, and hopefully you'll enjoy her company as much as we did in this uh, upcoming interview. Well, this week we are in Salzburg in Austria, which isn't so far away from Madrid, but uh, the diet is certainly different. The food we had tonight was uh, out of this world. Today it is May the 1st, and uh, we ended up going out to like a historical village quite far out of town, uh, and... We saw everyone dressed up in their dirndls and lederhosen. We saw people climbing the maypole. It was absolutely brilliant. And then the uh, the daughter of the people who run the hotel we were staying came out to meet us with her boyfriend, and they took us to a restaurant that they'd heard about that they'd never tried. We ordered the, the grill plate for two people. Now, we looked at the size of the other plates coming to the tables, and they looked pretty big. So we asked the waiter, is this really for two people? And he said, no, 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 four people. And uh, so we ordered that, and we just about managed to finish it between the four of us. It was enormous. Linda told me I had to stop eating. <laughs> but yes, it was uh, very quite heavy. Lots of potatoes. Austrians like their potatoes and pork. They quite do, pork, pork and potatoes, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we're not talking pork and potatoes today because we're in Madrid, but before we get into the interview, remember that you can help us stay traveling by booking through us. So please visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. Uh, if you're visiting Amazon.com for any reason to buy anything at all, travel or not, IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Amazon will uh, give us a commission on your purchases. And if you enjoy the show, uh, we'd like to keep it running and we could do with your support there. Yeah, we really, really appreciate it when you do that. So thanks for everyone who's done that in the past and thanks for people who do it in the future. Well, let's uh, go talk to Lauren. Well, today I'm speaking with Lauren Alois, the founder of Madrid Food Tour. Lauren, welcome on the Indie Travel Podcast. Thank you, Craig. Well, we're going to be talking about Spain's capital city today. Um, a lot of people probably when they think of Spain, they might think of the the southern coast or Barcelona, but maybe give Madrid a pass. Is there, uh, well, why would you say the the reasons to head to Madrid over some of the other cities? Well, you know, you're exactly right. A lot of people think of Spain and the image in their head are either, you know, the islands or the coast or perhaps Andalusia that has, you know, the flamenco and the bullfighting. Um, And then they think of Barcelona, which is, of course, a cruise port and has, you know, very famous gastronomy. And they overlook Madrid, which is really a shame. Um, 
Madrid is unique in the fact that, you know, it's a planned capital straight in the center of the country, which means that it has culture from all over Spain in one place. So actually, it's like if you were only to spend a weekend in Spain and you wanted to kind of experience as much of the country as possible, I would actually recommend coming, coming here to Madrid because you can really do that through the different businesses that immigrants from other parts of Spain have set up. Mm. And so um, uh, people will be aware of some of the, the kind of big sites of Barcelona or uh, something like that, but what is there to, to see and do in Madrid? Well, you can eat um, and drink your way through the city, which is what I always recommend. Um, no, but really, Madrid is interesting in the fact that although it has its big monuments, you know, it has a gorgeous cathedral, has one of the largest palaces in, in Europe, the Royal Palace, um, a beautiful park, Retiro, um, and plenty of, you know, world-class museums, the Prado, uh, the Reina Sofia. It has a lot to do and see as far as monuments, museums goes, but it's a, a really great city to just not really have much of a plan for, to go for a walk, pop into little bars and restaurants, people watch at a cafe or an outdoor terrace, um, check out the markets. You know, it's not a city where, in my opinion, you have to go with that list of seeing this and climbing this monument um it, there's certainly that if you want that but it's a cool city to just lose yourself in as well yeah that definitely matches with our impression of it with the uh the days we spent there last year well we're going to talk about the food and the drink and the bars uh, a little bit later in the show but i guess by now everyone's realized that you're not a madrid uh, native can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in uh, in madrid Sure. Well, you know, I'm not a Madrid native. I'm actually a native of Massachusetts in the Northeast United States. Um, and I actually ended up moving to Spain in 2009. I went to be an English teacher for what was supposed to be a year. Um, and I was placed in Sevilla or Seville, which is in Andalusia. Uh, so I was there for a year and I was teaching um, teenagers, actually. It was an in interesting time in life. Uh, I realized that teaching was not what I wanted to focus on and I was kind of back at square one, you know, after that year ended. Um, during that period I happened to meet someone special who's now my husband and he's from Spain, um, from Cadiz. So we met and I decided, well, I'm going to give this a chance and I ended up staying there for another year in teaching. Um, but after that, when I finally, we, we figured everything out, we ended up getting married. I had permission to legally work in Europe. So we both decided, well, we're going to move to Madrid. We want to focus on our passions. And um, we both ended up starting small, small businesses. Um, and we also do a lot of travel blogging and food writing, which is another way to kind of express what we really enjoy. Yeah, and that um, I remember you telling me when you first uh, tried Spanish food, you were like, "What? Why? What is everyone talking about?" <laughs> You're right. Um, it's funny because before I moved to Seville, I had studied abroad in college or in university um, in Granada, Spain. So that's also in Andalusia, and probably the reason I chose to go back to Andalusia. It's a beautiful place, but the food I actually was not too familiar with. Just despite having been there for 
um, for months. I lived with a, a woman who, which was a typical thing to do when you studied abroad, and and she cooked very cheap things. So she'd buy like frozen foods and make me a pasta salad with a can of tuna, and that was you know my lunch and dinner. So I didn't, didn't really realize that she she wasn't a great representation of Spanish cuisine at the time. But um, so I didn't really eat much with her. And then in Granada, there's a thing where you can have your tapa or the small piece of food that comes with a drink and it's always included with the drink so it's actually what they would consider to be free um, and being free means you're not going to get the best food you're going to get something that's not too expensive um, pretty basic so again I wasn't being wowed by the cuisine so I left Granada after four months which is embarrassing to say but I left with no appreciation for Spanish food and I arrived in Seville thinking I really wasn't a fan so what changed all of that because now you know you're a food writer and you run food tours well, I'd always loved food, so it wasn't like the food appreciation started later in life. My, I come from an Italian-American family, and it was always a focus on fresh ingredients and, you know, you know cooking by seasons um, and a lot of very good homemade food. Uh, so when I got to Seville, it was actually the first week or so I went out with a new friend, and I said, oh, well, I don't know what to order, I said, because, you know, I've tried Spanish stuff, and I, I just haven't found anything that really blew me away. And they said, hold on a second. And they ordered a bunch of little tapas, and about half an hour later, I was just laughing and saying, okay, wow, you know, where, where was I that whole four-month period um, of the study abroad? And it was from there that I just was fascinated by the flavors and the simplicity of, of traditional Spanish cooking um, and I started to really learn about different recipes, do some research on the history of food in Spain and how it kind of evolved um, and just try as much as possible basically. <laughs> Very nice. Well let's roll back around and center on uh, Madrid again. You've called it kind of a melting pot of different parts of the country's culture just dropped straight bang in the middle of everything. Uh, is that represented in the food as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, Madrid has, I would say, you know, lot, lots of levels of, of what you can find when you go out to eat. So you can go, you know, from very cheap kind of tavern food uh, that mixes things that are specialties from the, all over the country as well as a few Madrid classics and then you can get into the restaurants that are either more expensive or more refined and you have a lot of international cuisine as well. Um, but kind of starting at the bottom with the traditional taverns, you'll go to a place and you know, you'll find mm, the organ meats of the old Madrid that were very important to, to this culture. Um, right next to typical peppers that are from the north of Spain, uh, you'll find you know, the tortilla or the Spanish omelette that is kind of one of Spain's only catch-all dishes that they consider to be important to all parts of the country. Um, and then you'll find some, you know, fried seafood, which you'd think you'd get down south or on the coast, but they say that the freshest seafood actually gets shipped straight to Madrid. So <laughs> you don't have to worry if you eat seafood here in, in landlocked Madrid, but. Smooth. Well, maybe give us your, uh, your, your own personal favorite food that you've found while living there in Madrid. Oh, that's a hard question. Uh -huh. um, I knew it was going to be. Let's see. <laughs> so I actually have a few favorite foods. Um, let's see. One of my favorites is called, called San Morejo, 
and that is a cold tomato soup. Uh, a lot of people hear me say that and they say, oh, gazpacho. But it's not gazpacho because gazpacho is technically a blend of vegetables that um, Spaniards actually drink out of a glass usually. Where salmorejo is a thicker uh, blend or a puree of tomato, stale bread, um, a little bit of garlic, sherry vinegar, uh, and olive oil. So it's kind of an emulsion, although that sounds a little strange. But it's this delightful soup that you serve cold and you top it with um, Spanish ham and some hard-boiled egg. And in the summertime when Madrid and a lot of the the country is very, very hot. There is nothing more refreshing, healthy, and just overall perfect than um, a bowl of salmorejo. And other than that, I would have to go with the classic, uh, tortilla española, or a Spanish omelet. Um, and it's funny because people try tortilla all the time and they don't understand the big deal, but I always say it's you've got to try the right one because I've tried these omelets that have been just absolutely horrible, um, the texture, the flavor, and the, everything, uh, but then you'll get another one that's just, it, it's like a different food. So like with most things, you have to get it the right place and you have to get it made right, served at the right temperature, otherwise you're not going to be impressed. But that, And that's, you know, what when someone comes into town, I try to take them to the places where they can really get the the good one. Well, that tortilla does sound really great, and it's something that I can attest to as well. There's some good stuff out there. Is um, I mean, I guess to me that's kind of part of the 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 tapas culture, you know, the the small plate of food kind of culture, and that's something that I'd normally associate more with Andalusia and and the south. Is it kind of big in Madrid? You know, not so much. Um, a lot of people come to Madrid and they think, oh, tapas, we have to go get tapas. But really, Madrid is not what I would consider a tapas city. Um, you're right, Andalusia is where tapas are excellent. Every bar and restaurant serves them. But here in Madrid, you're kind of, it's hard to find good or really authentic tapas, um, meaning just that they're the right size. A lot of times bars or restaurants will see that people uh, are looking for tapas and they'll write on their menu tapas and then they'll give you this enormous plate of food. So really they're tricking the tourists. Um, a true tapa would be just a small portion of food that that traditionally comes with a drink. Uh, in Madrid, you can find that. And there are certain bars, the classic traditional places, where you go and you order your beer and they'll give you a little portion of food. Uh, you usually don't get to choose it. And, you know, these are the places that you would not even really, you wouldn't, you know, they don't pop out at you. They're the tiny, tiny little holes in the wall. And then you find a lot of places that have taken this, you know, love for tapas that is now worldwide and they'll sell tapas for a price. And you find them from, you know, very cheap to euro for a little tapa up until 10 euro at some of these you know, very elite places. Um, but I don't think that Madrid is the place to really go out of your way to have to have tapas. Uh, what they do really well are the taverns where you just order what they call raciones, which are like rations to be shared with your table. Um, so you can share a bunch of raciones with your table. Then you could go also to some of the city's pincho bars. A pincho is um, a Basque word, which basically means the same as tapas, and it's a small portion of food. But generally, the pinchos will come on this little piece of bread, and they'll either be cold or hot. Uh, but Madrid does a lot of pincho bars because it's something, again, that, that they've taken from the north 
north of Spain, the people who have come to live here have found that that was a concept that, that really worked. So it's something that, you know, everybody's looking for when they come here, but don't go out of your way to have to find these tapas bars that everybody's talking about because you might be surprised that you never do. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, what would you recommend for a uh, for an evening meal then? Well, my pick would be to either go to some certain parts of the city that are known for the pincho bars. If you want to do that type of, you know, informal bar-to-bar type of experience, you'll be on your feet. It's not the most comfortable thing, but it's always fun to go and you just order a wine or a glass of cava or something and you order one of the little bites to go with it. Um, so that's one option. Or I recommend going to uh, a place like one of the older taverns and sitting there. That's the only place you'll probably go. And going with a group of three, four, or even more people and just ordering a bunch of these plates to share. Um, that way you can eat really well and it's usually very inexpensive. I know there's great places to eat all over the city, but is there anywhere that's kind of concentrated tourist trap restaurants or concentrated really, really good restaurants that you can uh, give us a tip on? Sure. Um, I always recommend not eating in near the Plaza Mayor. Those are traditionally tourist trap restaurants. Um, I'm sure there are a couple good ones in there, but the majority are overpriced and the quality of the food is quite low. Um, there is an exception to that, though, and that's that a couple of the little bars and restaurants around the plaza, they do the traditional Madrid sandwich, which is called the Bocadillo de Calamares, or the Calamari sandwich. Um, and so those places are good. You're going to get a, just as good as any other place, this baguette with fried calamari inside, as simple as can be. Um, so yeah, go to those places, but avoid the restaurants around that square. And then for um, kind of foodie streets, there's an area called La Latina because of the metro stop. Um, and there's one specific street called Cava Baja. And that street is really, really known for all of its little pincho bars and also some traditional restaurants and other places that serve um, tapas. So that street's a good place to start. I wouldn't say it's a tourist trap at all, but it, they do get a lot of their business from tourists, so the prices are a little bit higher. And one tip I always give people is to start, start on that street, kind of, you know, make, a, make your way up and down and see what's there, but then explore all the little side streets in that area, because usually you'll find food that's just as good and very similar, and you'll find it at a cheaper price. So that's a good, that's a good place to start. Yeah, it sounds like a great tip, and being right by a metro station is uh, certainly handy. Well, I'd love to recommend people check out the markets in Madrid. Madrid yeah, okay. is um, a city filled with so many markets, uh, from the traditional ones where you're going to find your fishmongers and, and your butchers, you know, chopping away. <clears throat> Excuse me. To these new markets, um, which are kind of these gourmet food courts, where you'll find a lot of really nice ways to taste things um, in one place. And I, I just wouldn't ignore them. If you're into food at all, it's a great way to kind of know the city and each neighborhood has its own neighborhood market. Uh, and you'll also get to kind of interact with the Spanish people working there, which is also a really nice experience and support small businesses. Yeah, we dropped into a couple of those and I couldn't walk out without tasting some of the wines that they had on sale there. I mean, they had wines from all over the region. 
I'm sure everyone would have heard of Rioja, but is there uh, some different Spanish wines that you would uh, recommend people try while they're eating out in uh, in Madrid? Yes, um, you said Rioja, right? Yeah. I quite hear you. Okay, well, in addition to the Rioja, um, as far as reds go, I always recommend uh, Ribera del Duero. So that's from the Duero uh, River Valley. And those are usually really nice reds. So it's a region, so it's, it, you have a lot of variety within those wines. But um, when I'm in a restaurant, those the two that they generally have for reds, if you're in just you know, a little tavern, are either Rioja or Ribera. And I go for the Ribera. Um, as far as whites go, I love the, the wines from uh, the northwest of Spain and on the Portuguese border. And those would be the Albariños. And also there's one that I really enjoy called Godello. G-O-D-E-L-L-O. Um, so if you can find those, those are fantastic. And then, you know, Spain, their wine scene is just exploding. And it's it's fantastic because they have more bodegas and vineyards than they say any other country in the world. But so many of these, these wines are so, no one knows about them. So I'm just always trying new things and, you know, trying to get away from the, the Rioja. Although Rioja can be wonderful as well if you get a really good one. Absolutely, but yeah, we're always trying to find ways to uh, to avoid those cliches and uh, and go beyond that. So that's a great recommendation. Well, Lauren, if uh, people want to know more about Madrid food, they can find you at madridfoodtour.com. Um, tell us a little bit about what you guys do on tour. Yeah, that's right. You can find us um, on madridfoodtour.com. We are a small company that tries to show people kind of the real Madrid food scene. So we offer both uh, group tours and we also offer private tours or custom customizable itineraries. And we just really are passionate about mostly food and also just the history of Madrid because you can't really have one without the other. And as you start to taste these things that have evolved in the city, you know, you realize that some of the most classic dishes that we consider today to be classics aren't exactly what they would have been eating 500 years ago. And so to explain a little bit about that evolution, um, a good example would be churros with chocolate. Everybody knows about them. Everybody associates them with Spain. But just think for one second, chocolate. Chocolate is not a Spanish product. It's something that they have imported from their conquests in the New World. And it just, you know, all, all little facts like that and going into the history of the food, the history of the city, and trying the best of each item. So, you know, you don't have to eat your way through 10 bad tortillas to find a good one because we will show you a good one. And, and that's a nice thing for people. Yeah, absolutely. I know we'll be uh, talking to you more while just all through the year, but the next time we're in Madrid, we're definitely looking you up. Of course. I can't wait. <laughs> well, Lauren, thanks for coming on the show today, and uh, enjoy a glass of Albarino for me. I haven't seen it for, for months. I will. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Lauren, for talking to us about Madrid and food tours and everything. Well, if you'd like to meet other travelers, if you've got questions about what we've talked about today or anything really to do with travel indietravelpodcast.com slash forums you can grab a free community account and join in the conversation and remember that you can help the indie travel podcast stay traveling by booking through us so visit indietravelpodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online also you can visit tours.indietravelpodcast.com to see 
information about tours and there's also reviews and travel deals and all sorts of cool things on there. We've also got a library of books to share. They're at guides.indietravelpodcast.com. We've got great authors who have put together books on solo travel, couples travel. That was us. We're great authors. <laughs> and uh, Buenos Aires and Las Vegas guidebooks, travel safety, and a whole lot more. So, uh, yeah, go and uh, pick up a book, and it'll make your travels that much better. Well, I think that's pretty much us for this week. So until next week, travel well. <laughs>